Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Strength of Strength. So uh, this morning, we're privileged to have with us uh, Lynn Martin, and uh, Lynn is from Greencastle. He's a part of uh, Chambersburg Christian Fellowship. So he's going to be speaking to us. Uh, the title is called Thinking Well, How Our Communities Have Failed and How They Can Succeed. So looking forward to that. And uh, I think what we'll do is just uh, begin with a word of prayer and then give the time to Lynn and um, go from there. So, yeah, let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your blessings to us. Thank you that your mercies are new each morning. Father, we thank you for this uh, time together here, and uh, we pray that you would bless our our time, uh, inspire our hearts, and sharpen our minds, help us to think deeply about the things that you care about, and uh, may they be things that we um, embrace and um, and propagate in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Help us to learn from our mistakes as uh, communities and help us to um, uh, be able to identify those mistakes and to, to grow uh, beyond those things. Rather, you would uh, bless the talk this morning and go with us. Keep us in your care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so um, again, welcome everyone, Brother Lynn. The time is yours. And for the rest of you, if you will... Um, be thinking about questions as as you go through. Just uh, jot those down and be prepared to uh, share those towards the end. We will be having a question and answer period, and uh, look forward to that as well. So, Brother Lynn, you can go ahead. Sure. Um, good morning, everyone, and I'm really honored to be here. This is a little earlier than I typically um, um, get on meetings in the morning, but um, it's it's good. I get up early sometimes and I enjoy it every time I do. And when I don't, sometimes I regret it. So yeah. Um, as for introductions, I live with my wife here in Greencastle. And as far as we know, we have one child. Um, we haven't seen the child yet, but there are all the evidences of that child being there. So we're really glad about that. And not sure. Um, I might talk about some of the other things Glenn asked about later on um, in my talk. So I'll just start out with a number of questions. And I kind of wanted to do hand raises for these questions, but I'm not sure how good Zoom is at, um, at hand raising. I, I know it's a possibility, but I'm not sure how well I can see when people raise their hands. But so don't raise your hand. Um, th- these questions are more to get you thinking about the subject, which is one um, I really care about. So I hope I don't um, go to get too excited about it, but we'll see. So first, I'm going to assume that most of you are either Anabaptists or some type of kingdom Christian um, at least in basic agreement with with that faith, and that you're interested in spreading and propagating the faith that you believe to be true. So here are just a few questions for you. Just consider these. One is, what do you do when someone asks you for resources on the truth of Christianity? 
Um, do you have Anabaptist sourced resources that you go to to give them? Another one. What about resources on why you believe your view of Christianity to be the true view or a true view of Christianity? Do you have books or videos that you can go to? Um, especially, especially things that were, that were written or published, um, in the last, let's say, 10 years, something like that. Another question. Supposing you meet an Anabaptist young person who wants to read theology, um, who wants to, um, read more books on Christian living. They want to live a really good, um, a, a kingdom life for, for Christ. What books do you give them? And how many of those books are Anabaptist books, like written by an Anabaptist or a kingdom Christian? Also, when you know, you might know a young person in your community who has some talent in writing or they've, you, you really like the way they think. They're smart. They've got good ideas. Where would you suggest that they would go for training? And where would you suggest that they could find an outlet for their thinking? Again, do they have adequate support and opportunities within the Anabaptist community? I mean, your community specifically, but also larger communities without needing to leave the Anabaptist community for the training and the outlet for their thinking. And finally, supposing that you're um, evangelizing to an intelligent, educated, well-read person, and they say, great, I'm really interested in this. If you would give me some books and other resources so I could really dig deeper into what Anabaptism is, um, what would you give them? Do you have books that you would give to satisfy them? And I'll, I'll throw in another one, too. Um, I assume plenty of people here probably enjoy reading. Maybe you enjoy reading fiction like I do or theology. Maybe you read mission-oriented books. Um, where do you go to find your books? Is there an Anabaptist place, like a place where with a lot of Anabaptist resources that you go to automatically? Or do you go other places? So my guess is for most of these, I would be really glad to be wrong on this, but my guess is that for most of these, your go-to resources are not Anabaptist resources. They're resources by other Christians, um, they may be old resources, and both of those, like, that can be really good. Um, it can be great to use resources from other people <clears throat> or from other communities and, and also to use resources that are, that have stood the test of time. But do you, but, do we have any resources of, of our own? Like there will be a few in some cases. Um, but for myself, for example, when people ask me these questions, honestly, I'm embarrassed because I want to give them resources, but I'm not able to offer them resources that would even satisfy me um, in many cases. So I believe that Anabaptism is, is a is a true faith and that our faith is intellectually sustainable. And 
So my question is, why is the reading and or the writing and the thinking today happening among, say, Calvinists or Catholics? Um, for Catholics specifically, I've been looking into the claims of Roman Catholicism recently, and I'm just blown away with the amount of resources out there. Um, there are just really smart and educated people who are writing, writing or doing YouTube channels. Um, they've got their own universities, etc. They've got plenty of information on why why to be Catholic or on current issues and how Catholics ought to look at current issues. Um, they've got Catholic fiction, Catholic poetry, like I said, Catholic universities. And this is this is actually um, this isn't just an academic discussion. They're convincing a lot of people to convert to Catholicism. And it's it's because of these resources and because they're good at articulating um, their faith. And well, I believe that Anabaptism is a better view of Christianity than Roman Catholicism. I appreciate Catholics, but I don't think they're right. But my question is, if we're right, then why don't we have the same type of resources out there? Um, obviously, there are way more Catholics than Anabaptists, so we can't compete with them for numbers yet anyway. Um, but but still, why why are there just basically no resources is my question. And I mean, I hate to say this, but it seems like a failure on our community's part that we haven't been engaging, that we haven't been writing and thinking. We just don't have resources to point people to for those who want to think well. Well, you could ask, um, and I don't know if anyone here is asking this, but you could ask, why is it such a big problem if we aren't thinking well? Um, after all, our lifestyle is what we consider to be most important. That's kind of the, I don't know, benchmark of Anabaptism. I don't know if benchmark is the right word, but that's the core of the Anabaptist, the kingdom Christian faith, um, that our lifestyle is what is most important and our beliefs are important too, um, but that the way we live and the way we follow Jesus is um, is the core of our faith. Um, and I agree entirely that lifestyle is is important and is probably most important. But I do think that the way we think affects our lifestyle. And just looking at the world today, um, I think, proves that. You can look at all the people who differ from you in lifestyle. And if you follow that difference down to its source, you'll find that it's a difference in thinking or worldview that they have. That's why they don't live as you do. It's because they think differently or they have a different worldview and they don't, yeah, they're not in agreement with you on, on what, what matters and what's true. So, um, well, I'm getting through my material a lot faster than I expected, which is probably just fine. Um, so what's the value of thinking? Um, I think if we, if I'm proposing a, or if I'm proposing a problem, I should, I should lay out the solution and show 
how things could be better. So I think that one of the values of thinking is that we can learn to know God better through using our minds. Um, we can understand truths about God through theology. Um, we can dig deeper into scripture through her- hermeneutics and and find out what God has, how God has re- revealed himself to us and how we should live. We can seek a relationship with him through these, through theology and, and scripture and also through things like devotional liter- literature or poetry. Um, I'm just continually, um, every time I read poetry by George Herbert, um, it just blows my mind. Um, because just the, the closeness that he's seeking with God, um, is, is really amazing. So George Herbert, look him up. Um, we can also through thinking, we can, so we can understand God better. We can also understand our brother better. Um, there are studies of minds and of people groups that's psychology and sociology and um, I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist and, um, and, you know, it can be easy to be skeptical of some of the findings that are out there in those fields, but there's a lot to be learned too through, um, through what they've, what they've found of, of, of the human, how the human mind works and, um, how people groups work. Um, we can also, through thinking and through writing, we can learn from other people's experiences. That's we can learn from them through biography and memoir. And we can also contemplate the human condition. You know, who who are we? Um, what is our what is it to be a human? And how can we live in relation to the world that we live in? And and our God. Um, and a lot of classic novels really help us to understand the human condition, I would say, um, as well as existential philosophy, um, which is not something I've dug into deeply, but I do have an appreciation for, say, Kierkegaard, for example. And so what about the usefulness of, of these things, of these studies? Well, I think they're I think they're value, valuable just for the understanding, but I think they're also useful in understanding our brother better. You know, if we, um, if we, if we know better how people think, we'll be able to live with people better. And, um, if we know how people groups interact more, we know more how people groups interact, we'll have a better idea of why churches tend to split and, what we can do about um, the the um, schisms among us, and if we can learn from other people's experiences through biography or memoir, you know we don't need to make the same mistakes that they did, or we can learn from we can learn from the way they viewed the world, and we can start looking at the world through their eyes and see maybe this way of looking at the world can can help us to serve God better. And this leads into my third thing that we can do with through thinking and writing, 
um, we can understand the world better. Um, we can observe God's world through science. We can learn the truths behind his world through philosophy. Um, and I think this understanding God's world better helps us be better stewards of his world. It helps us to know God better as well. Another value of thinking is problem solving. Um, if we're good at thinking, one would hope not everybody who's not everybody who's smart is good at problem solving as as we probably all know but um thinking thinking well can help us improve our problem solving so for example we can learn hermeneutical principles for understanding scripture we can for example um we can learn principles for when we read scripture to know what what is scripture saying because it's not always perfectly clear um, what scripture means in a certain place. And if we can um, have good problem-solving skills, learn to apply the principles, um, learn to to compare scriptures with each other, um, etc. If we have those thinking skills, we can understand scripture better. Um, we can also understand how things go wrong, learn to understand how things go wrong in teams or um, people groups and we can learn how to make our churches and church communities and missions sustainable. And finally, um, for problem solving, we can avoid common pitfalls that humans tend to fall into. There are lots of logical fallacies that, that, um, I've found over the years. I've found, oh wow, I'm using the whatever it's called fallacy. Uh, I never knew that I was using that before. Now I know that um, that's not a valid way of of trying to prove my point. Um, thinking, knowing problem solving can help us with that. And also it can help us learn from history and not make the same mistakes as people have made before us. And for more that thinking can do, um, we can assess worldviews through thinking. And this is maybe one of the most important roles that um, thinking and writing play in a culture. Um, the others are really important too, so I don't know if I want to say that. But this is definitely one of the most important. Um, if we can assess worldviews and understand, um, yeah, get in, into someone's worldview and understand what holds it together, or deeply into our worldview and understand what holds that together, we can ask questions like, you know, what's the underlying reason for the once saved, always saved doctrine? Why do people believe that? And how might the thinking that um, underlies that doctrine affect us, even though, um, I mean, I, I hope um, we don't hold that. Um, I don't. Um, but, you know, how how does that, how, how does that thinking affect us, um, through the people we rub shoulders with, um, without us even knowing that it is? Also, you know, we can understand our own worldview better. For example, here's a question that I think that would be good if people would ask, what does our salvation do, have to do with God's kingdom? Um, those are two really important parts of the Christian me- message. Um, salvation, what that means, and also God's kingdom and what that means. So what's, 
what's God's goal with how salvation relates with God's kingdom. Um, and as we think more deeply about our worldview and use the um, skills, thinking and, and reading, writing skills that we that we have, we can learn more about this. Um, and also we can understand what our vision and mission should be through through assessing our worldview um, and digging more deeply into what we believe and why we should believe it. We can then find out where we should go next um, and what we should be looking for. Um, we can, through doing this, we can actually fight against mission drift because writing, for example, can stay can stay around forever. It doesn't typically stay around forever, but um, it at least can stay around for multiple generations. And you know, if our generation has knowledge that's good, if we if we have learned um, things that are true, then we should be interested on passing in passing that on to the next generations, um, so that they can so that they don't have to relearn everything that we have learned. And so that they can see the vision that we have and we hope capture that vision and take it further to, to farther points. Um, also thinking well can help us lead others to the truth. And this is right now, this is one of my, um, pet subjects. Um, so I'm really interested in apologetics as in reasons to believe the Christian faith and also the Anabaptist faith and in helping people in Protestant or Catholic circles to see the truth of the Anabaptist faith, um, which I believe is, is a true expression of the, of the historic faith. And that's what um, I started a blog just a few months ago called Anabaptist faith. Um, it's linked in my bio, um, anabaptistfaith.org. And that's that's intended to help give reasons to believe Anabaptism and give reasons to um, question some of the Protestant and Catholic doctrines. Um, I think that we need to be able to, people aren't necessarily always led to the truth through um, thinking, but there are always people out there who... Um, who want to follow the correct thinking processes and find out what the truth is through that. Like, and, and we need to be, we need to be reaching out to those people as well. Also, if we have good thinking in, in our midst, uh, if we have good apologetics, we don't need to worry when our child picks up, for example, the God delusion or finds an atheist YouTube channel or a Catholic YouTube channel or something. Um, we don't have to worry at all because they've, they're equipped um, with resources for answering um, the objections to our faith that they'll find there. Whereas if we don't have good thinking, if we don't have good writing um, in the area of apologetics, well, we, we hope we'd be able to walk, walk through that with them. Um, but Will they get the answers that they need? And finally, um, not quite finally, but um, I think thinking is 
valuable just for the joy of exploring God's world. God made his world able to be thought about and he gave us minds that are able to think. And I think that we, um, that we gain a lot through being able to interact with his world through our minds. That's not the only way of interacting with his world and, and maybe not the best way. Um, but it is one of the necessary ways, I think. And finally, we just, we really need to do better at keeping the people in our communities who have a need to think. There will always be people who, who have this God-given drive to understand things, um, to think through things, and to um, get better in their thinking. And if our communities don't have anything for them, um, then I think that our communities have a problem. And, and that if we can retain those people, they can do a lot of good for our communities. Um, through the through the things I've just outlined here, and all that all the things that I have listed so far are very closely tied to thinking, um, as I'm defining thinking, and also to writing because most of these things are, I mean, there have been books and books and books written on these subjects, and there's room for lots more books. So there's stuff for Anabaptists to do. Just just so you know. Um, and also, you know, there are, these things can also be done through YouTube channels and online media. Um, and I think we need to get into, to those areas as well. So I really appreciate what Strength to Strength is doing here with having an, a presence in online media. But I do think that we need to think more in terms of writing as well. Um, because that's more enduring. And you can dig more deeply into a subject through writing than through um, speaking. So um, that's what I see as the good of thinking and what we can gain through thinking and through writing. Um, I'll briefly touch on some pitfalls that thinkers can fall into. So our communities um, have often been, been concerned about some of the pitfalls that they see um, thinkers falling into. And one of them is pride. Um, someone who's good at thinking, someone who's smart, can feel like they're smarter than everyone else and therefore doesn't need to listen to everybody else, can make problems for everyone. And, of course, this is definitely um, partly an attitude thing on the part of of the, these smart people, um, they aren't valuing others' contributions and they feel that intelligence is everything, which let me tell you, it's not. Um, but I think that the situation is worse um, whenever there's nobody else around who is as well-read or as smart as they are. Um, if, these, if people who are smarter um, have other smart people who are challenging them, they won't be tempted nearly as much to pride, I don't think. And if they are, um, well, that's, that's what, who we are as brothers to knock your corners off of them. Um, also thinkers have been seen as unstable, um, and bringing about new doctrines. And, and it's true that, 
um, most advances or, or changes if you don't see them as advances, which some of them are advances and some aren't in theology, um, in science, etc., have been through thinking. Um, the, the reason that we think differently now today in, in our postmodern world than we thought in the modern world, um, or than we thought before that, um, it really comes to a number of thinkers that influenced our society hugely, um, like Nietzsche and Marx, for example. Um, if you want to understand today's culture, um, you might want to look into what they believed and how people are, are going from that to believe what they believe today. And I think these have affected us. Their, their views have affected us in good ways in some cases, um, in bad ways in other cases. And so uh, let's see. Yeah. So my point is thinkers have, have made a lot of changes so they can be seen as unstable um, or bringing in new doctrines. And again, I think this is an attitude thing. Um, Sometimes thinkers just feel like they can forge ahead into places where better people have, have feared to tread. Um, and that nothing will, they won't, they don't see the mistakes that they themselves could make. Um, that is typically a, a problem with thinkers. We're good at spotting the fallacies that other people fall into, but a little less good at spotting our own fallacies. Um, but again, that's, that is worst when there's nobody around to correct them. So if there are more smart people, more thinkers, um, you don't have to be smart to think, just saying, but it is just valuable to have smart people in a community. If, if there are more people around who can help correct them when they go off on a tangent, then the, then the um, pride or, or arrogance that they might have is not going to affect um, our communities nearly as much. And I think that thinking humbly and thinking arrogantly are two very, very different things. Um, when we're thinking humbly, we're trying to find out the truth and we're trying to, we're submitting ourselves to, to what the truth is going to be when we find out what it is. Um, whereas when we're thinking arrogantly, we're trying to kind of shape the truth somehow and make the truth look a certain way. And I think we're all tempted to do, to do that, whether we're thinkers or not. Um, whenever we read scripture, you know, it's just so easy to think, okay, well, I know what it means. It doesn't really sound like that but I know what it means. So here's how I interpret it. Whereas if we're thinking more humbly, we can say, well, um, I'm not sure what it means here. Um, but what I can tell is X or Y. Um, I think that human reason or, um, or thinking that puts the self at the center is not really true thinking. Um, I mean, it is thinking, but it's not 
thinking in its truest sense because it's limited um, you, in, in what can be learned through it. True thinking is humble and is, and is trying to seek the truth. So um, with some of these pitfalls that I've mentioned, they're, I think they're made worse when there aren't enough people who are thinking and rather than when there are too many people who are thinking. And the reason that sometimes communities have issues with, with people who are good at thinking is that they don't have anyone else who's, who can respond to what that person is saying. And, and I'll just reiterate here. Um, you don't have to be super intelligent to think. Um, you just have to be, you just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to tell someone how to think. Um, but yeah, you just have to think. You just have to ask questions and try to find out the answers and try to figure out, you know, how can I find out what's, what's true and what's not. And you might not be able to think as fast as Einstein. Um, but at least you can, you can learn some things and, and maybe you can actually, here's one of my pet peeves. Um, it's, I don't find this a problem in my community, but in many communities, um, people who are good at thinking are just really bored by the table conversation. Um, so maybe you can, um, sit down across from someone who you know is, is likes thinking and then you can kind of give them an idea that you've thought of and, and ask them for their feedback on, on that idea. Or you can ask them for something they've thought of and try to give them feedback on that idea. It doesn't require a lot of intelligence for that. It does require humility though to, um, to present something that you, that you've thought of to someone else and be willing to have them push back on it. So, um, I will keep going with how can we bring back, um, thinking into our communities while avoiding the pitfalls. I think there are several things that we can do. One thing is we can appreciate people who have abilities, um, and recognize those abilities. Another is we can recognize that writers and thinkers come in many different stripes. So just because someone likes to write stories, for example, doesn't mean they're interested in science. Um, if you start talking to them about general relativity, they might just, um, they might not know what you're talking about. Um, I don't really either, just so you know. Um, but, and just because someone has a theological bent might, doesn't, might not mean that they'll be good at writing practical living advice. Um, they might need someone else to do that. So we can work to understand their specific abilities and recognize that different people's abilities will be different. Another thing we can do is help them get what it takes to exercise their abilities. Um, do they need leisure time for study or writing? Uh, maybe we can give them time off to study or to write. Maybe they need schooling and we can mentor them through, say, faith builders or college. Um, college students can use a lot of support from their communities um, and, and a lot of um, understanding from their communities. 
I think another thing that we should remember when we're thinking about thinking is that the end goal for a thinker really needs to be um, usefulness within the community. Um, there is a lot of value in in thinking for for the sake of of understanding God's world, as I've said. But we re- we're all called to be part of a community. I think might be wrong, but that's that's what I think, and I think that's kind of the Anabaptist um, goal. And and we need to we need to help people like thinkers to serve Anabaptist communities rather than needing to leave um, their communities in order to exercise their gifts. Now, few people get their dream job, and thinkers need to learn to be flexible because there aren't a lot of people who will be able to survive just on the money you make by writing essays about John Milton, just to be honest. Um, however, um, if uh, they need to be flexible, but our communities need to be flexible too in order to accommodate those people and make use of their specific strengths. Um, the strength of a community is, is in its people. And I think that we should expect quality and accountability for, from our thinkers. This is for their own good and also for our good because uh, we don't want people floating out there doing um, without without expecting any kind of um, any kind of quality from them or caring necessarily what they're doing. So I'm going to finish with or work toward concluding with some practical steps for us. Um, what can we do today? And for this, I'm going to share my screen. Um, what can we do today to strengthen the thinking in our communities? Um, one thing we can do is, one thing you can do today is subscribe to one or more of these publications. Um, Think Truth is a blog and they also have a podcast that's aimed more toward youngish people, um, not youth specifically, but, um, but it does aim a little more for young people. They're searching for clarity and wisdom, bringing the potency of the full word of God into the discussions which engage our generation is their goal. Uh, there's also the trailhead, which is, uh, an essay that goes out by email, um, from breakfast to bedtime, marriage to business management, preaching to parenting. Um, let's see. The delights and dilemmas of manhood are what their subject is. There's also the curator, which I um, work for. Um, we have, uh, we publish a weekly poem. We have a, a yearly journal that comes out. Our uh, 2023 journal is coming out very shortly and will be purchasable on our website. Um, Previous years are there too. Um, We specialize in poetry, um, fiction, and we've been working on essays. We haven't done that as much, but we're trying to build a community of readers, writers, and thinkers. There's the Anabaptist viewpoint, which is for church leaders um, and has a lot of really good thinking that goes into 
um, addressing issues facing conservative Anabaptist leaders. And there's Anabaptist perspectives. I hope everybody here is uh, familiar with them. Um, I definitely recommend subscribing to them for anybody. Um, and they publish thoughtful, faithful content that honors Jesus on a variety of digital platforms. And one reason why I'm really excited about them is that um, they have their content on digital platforms. I, I said that writing, writing books is, is one of the best ways of getting thinking out there. But the truth is that, um, in our world today, people encounter new perspectives or old perspectives, however, on, in online media. So we really need to be there. And of course, there's strength to strength. Um, so definitely come back for, um, more, um, interesting, um, conversations and stuff. Maybe, maybe someone can say more about that at the end. I don't know. Um, and I guess this will probably show up on, um, in the resulting YouTube video. So if you want to find it, find this information, you can go there. Um, and I can also share it with the strength of strengths people if they want to post it somewhere. I don't know. So subscribe to those publications um, is I would definitely encourage that. And I would also encourage um, donate to these publications because they rely very heavily on volunteers and, and underpaid staff who do what they do because they really care about the subject, not because they're making a big paycheck, because I can assure you that they're not making a big paycheck if they're making a paycheck at all. Um, so yeah, they can, they can use their support. Um, if we want them to be staying around the long term, we really need to think in terms of, of financial support for these things. Um, another thing you can do is find that smart young man or young woman in your community. And maybe there are more, which is great. Um, encourage their gift by drawing them out. Listen to what they have to say. Um, and edify them by telling them your perspective and asking them how to, how they would respond to that. Um, through conversation, iron sharpens iron. And finally, prioritize ways of plugging thinkers into useful kingdom positions, um, and helping people find training, publication, et cetera. And, and again, not everything has to be immediately useful. Um, but we should be helping to um, and engage thinkers into our communities so that um, we have a better rounded um, community and for the reasons that I addressed before. Uh, so again, that's subscribe to those publications, um, donate to those publications, um, and there are others as well. Um, find someone smart and encourage them and edify them. Um, and prioritize ways of helping thinkers, um, plugging them into um, your kingdom community. And I'll just end with, um, on a positive note, um, things are looking up. We are doing, our communities are doing better than they have um, in for a few generations, I think. Um, I really appreciate what past generations have done for us, um, but... Um, this is one thing I don't think they have done for us. Um, 
as nearly as much. And there used to be, be basically no opportunities for readers or writers or thinkers within the Anabaptist community. And all the things that I showed on that screen, um, as far as I know, they showed up within the last five years. Um, but they're not just, um, they're not just fly by night things either. They have dedicated teams working on them and they've stuck around for a few years, which is difficult to do for any, um, for any publication or any, um, business. So if you've stuck around a few years, um, especially in this, in this type of media, um, you have a bit of staying power, but that's not to discourage people from, um, supporting them and donating to them. So, um, and I just think that we need to support thinkers, um, support, um, publications of this type and so that more and better things can happen so that more writers can be out there, more, um, content can be written for the kingdom and that it can be more broadly available for people, um, both online through books, et cetera, and that we can build the kingdom through that. So thanks for listening. All right. Well, thank you very much, Lynn. I found that, um, very, um, very interesting and engaging. And I want to applaud your efforts uh, in putting that together. So yeah, just, um, what we're going to be doing here is opening it up for questions and, uh, just have a question here to start. And then we'll, uh, turn it over to our audience for questions that you may have. So as you know, um, the early Anabaptists were, um, very highly educated. I think it's, um, substantiated that Michael Sattler knew at least four languages. And uh, I think at his trial, he had offered to, um, uh, defend himself in, uh, Hebrew, Greek, German, or Latin. And, uh, of course, even in the scriptures, you know, there's all this instruction in Proverbs and other places to, um, gain understanding, gain knowledge and wisdom. So why is it that there is, um, kind of a sense of anti, anti-intellectualism today among the modern Anabaptists? That's a really good question. Um, I think it comes down to that, um, that, that Anabaptist communities, I guess, got satisfied, became satisfied with where they were. Um, and of course, when you're being persecuted, you can't do as much thinking as you would like. Um, and then when they stopped being persecuted, perhaps they were um, so happy with not being persecuted that um, they dug in and made roots um, and didn't, and didn't put nearly as much, didn't feel the need to put nearly as much into this. Um, but like there has been, there has been thinking through previous generations. There just hasn't been a lot. And I think people haven't really prioritized it. Um, and, and haven't felt like that's what's needed to, um, to strengthen Anabaptism. Um, and I, and I think that it is. Okay. Yeah. Very well. Thank you for that. All right. So, um, I'd like to open it up at this uh, time for any, um, questions or comments from uh, any of you in attendance here and who will be first 
Thank you, brother, for sharing this morning. Um, you're a young man, and I just want to bless you and um, encourage you to keep up thinking, keep up your work, writing, um, and inspiring the older generation to dig in, as well as your generation and ones coming on. I, I really, um, that's one of the reasons for strength to strength is to, is to inspire, uh, nurture thinking and, and speaking and digging into ideas maybe that, um, there isn't much content on specifically. So really, yeah, I really want to bless you, uh, with, with your work. Um, I, I use your, I came across your content, Lynn, um, engaging with a, uh, a Penn State student who is a dedicated Catholic. Um, he was four years into his education here at Penn State and came into our cafe and started coming in quite often and became friends and, um, had some of the, some, some of the most engaging conversations that I've ever had with somebody, um, you know, knowing that we're both coming at at Christianity from different perspectives. Um, so I'm not an intellectual or neither. I, and I'm not a historian, um, but that doesn't scare me from engaging these people because I have thinkers that I can lead him to. And so I, um, I, I brought him to a brother in our church who's a historian. He could kind of work at, you know, exposing some of the errors of, apostolic secession that Catholics, you know, so strongly want to proclaim. Um, what about, yeah, what about the, the papacy? Um, what about, you know, yeah, uh, the, the faith, the Anabaptist history? And I, I ended up giving him one of your articles that you wrote here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's so important, so important for us to have these resources. And I, I'm always like, yeah, I just... <laughs> I'm so passionate about this because uh, having Anabaptist resources, so or Kingdom Christian resources, I'm always sending, always sending people links um, to listen to this video, listen, read this article. Um, here's a book, you know, I always have a stack of books with me. Um, and, and just to, cause there's, there's so many opportunities that we can give somebody a resource who will then take it, you know, it's just like you can tap them into a fountain that they had no idea was there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so passionate about this. And I want to just thank you for, for this, um, for your work here and keep it up. So, um, but yeah, how do we, how do we um, kind of move beyond this idea that thinkers are a threat? You know, I, you know, I mean, in reality is we, we've seen people who are thinkers lead the faith. Um, but I think it's wrong though to, to then when we see that occasionally is to then think thinking is wrong, but maybe there was, maybe there should be some other groundwork done over here to equip us better when we encounter ideas that can shake our faith, et cetera. So yeah, um, maybe you have some thoughts along that line. I think that's, I'll, I'll just say amen, amen to all that. Um, and just, you know, I really am really glad you have those resources, those links, um, books, et cetera. And I wish everybody had like that big stack or whatever you have. Um, um, it's, 
and and that there was like that's the stack just kept being added to um which i think it is very slowly um but yeah that's what that's what we need to be able to point people to i'm sort of curious lynn why you didn't list sound faith as one of the resources <clears throat> yeah um it's a great resource um i thought i had limited space so i thought i would list ones that Specifically to me seemed like they were, um, they were addressing the needs of thinkers, which sound faith is, is a little less. So, um, it's more, um, I guess addressed more broadly is how I put it. Well, I, I think the great threat to all thinking is pride, as you mentioned. Uh, whether you're self-educated, somebody said uh, self-educated people tend to become pretty proud of their alma mater. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's very possible to be proud that way. And so I think that's why Paul, after he said, uh, be renewed in the spirit of our mind, the very first thing he said after that is, for I say to you through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And so I say that the first evidence of the renewed mind is a tremendous sense of humility. Uh, and I think if we get that established, then we're on a sound basis to, to do a lot of thinking. Uh, but I would put another resource in there that you all should read. You may not agree with all of it, but it really will jog your thinking in a totally different direction. And that's the Vanguard published by the Amish up in Maine. Uh, those are thinking people. They're not, they're not scholars in the uh, classical sense, but they can really think about practical issues in a way that most of us uh, don't. And, and so I'll give the address if you have a piece of paper and you want to write it down. <clears throat> I would uh, subscribe if I were you. It's the Vanguard 881 Smyrna Center Road, Smyrna, Maine. 04780. <clears throat> I will read it again. The Vanguard, 881 Smyrna Center Road, Smyrna, Maine, 04780. Now they come at it from the standpoint of a practical, cultural, and, and there's a lot of scripture given too, but <clears throat> I think a lot of uh, attention needs to be given to the wisdom of the ages. Uh, I can't give you any scriptural reason, for instance, why a woman should not wear feminine slacks. The biblical gives gender distinction <clears throat> as something we need to be uh, concerned about. But I, I could not give you any argument whatsoever as to why a woman should not wear feminine slacks. And uh, I know all your red flags are going up. And there's a reason why, because there's some real wisdom in the cultural conclusions that we come to. And that's a good example. <clears throat> Another thing is, in my work with uh, people uh, for calling from the billboard, especially Roman Catholics, I often have to lead them away from theology. Uh, <laughs> for instance, <clears throat> they want to get into a theological discussion about the, uh, uh, the presence of Christ in the uh, Eucharist, uh, transubstantiation. And I finally say to them, why do we have to have a theology about communion at all? Why don't we just take communion? And if it turns into the blood and body of Christ, fine. If it doesn't, fine. I mean, we're supposed to observe the ordinance. Why do we have to have a theology about it? And I think there's a lot of things like that. 
that we just have created the theology and we're so uh, impressed by what we have reasoned out that we forget that when it comes right down to it, Christ is calling us to simple obedience. And that's why I think the Anabaptists have just pretty much just centered in on let's just obey Jesus. That's very simplistic, I know. And I know there are many things that have to be explained. But uh, if we're not careful, we get away from that just humble obedience to what Jesus has told us. I think that's why our people have been gun shy in terms of theology. It's like Dean Taylor said, he does not believe in salvation by theology, getting everything right. He believes in salvation by obedience to Jesus. And that is the kingdom, basically the kingdom concept. So I appreciate what you said. I obviously have waited through an awful lot of intellectual stuff in my lifetime, but I, I keep coming back. It's a little bit like Vance Havner said one time. He said, after all his study, he keeps coming back to this little song we sang in Sunday school. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And uh, so there's there's, you know, there's sort of a balance. We constant attention. We constantly work with the intellectual part of it. And then just simple obedience, sometimes just to cultural norms like women wearing dresses instead of feminine slacks. And so all of that has to be kept in balance. Thank you. Yeah. Still have to John. Yes. We can't we can't control the fact that we think. Thinking isn't isn't something that we choose to do. It's something that that happens. And why should thinking make us proud? After all the more we think, the more we study, the more we learn, we understand how little we know. Yes, yeah, sometimes we just have to shut up and do something, but thinking is still there. Yeah, no, I, th- that's exactly right. I, I often give the example of the little boy who sang Twinkle, Twinkle, <clears throat> little star in Sunday school. And then he went to high school and he had one chapter in his physical science book on astronomy. And then he went out and said, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Now I know what you are. Then he went on and got a degree in astronomy, a PhD. And then he went out and said, twinkle, twinkle, little star. I still don't know what you are. Uh, And I think at that point, he was truly educated. He had all that information. It was he didn't have a lot of information, but he realized that there was so much he didn't know. So I say to people who say education will make you proud, the problem isn't you have too much education. The problem is you don't have enough. Yes. Yeah, I really appreciate you um, bringing that, um, John. And and I think that what you pointed out, that humility is what's just absolutely essential. And if we don't have that, we might as well. I mean, there's no point in being a thinker if we don't have humility or, or doing thinking. And also if we can't um, uh, appreciate where something's a mystery that we just won't understand or that we can't expect to understand at least. Um, someone else asked in the chat, um, where does godly humble wisdom play out in this? And I think it's just absolutely essential. Like there's no, there's no point in it without um, humility. Yeah, I really like those thoughts, John, and and I just wanted to say a little something here. So I went through a dark time in the church setting I grew up in, and, and you know, I'd ask some of these questions, and nobody really wanted to answer them. They didn't want to talk about this stuff because they hadn't really thought about it. They hadn't dug into it, and so I, I think... 
part of the burden here is maybe that we we are willing to engage in those tough questions and, and look at our story, look at our our history, the Anabaptist story, and what what made them uh, be the people they were. Because I think even our own story, our uh, some communities anyway, don't really even know it and don't know why we're here. And so as I went through that dark time, I came across David Bersow and I came across you and your teaching on the kingdom. And it just started to put a light on and, and bring truth out in a fresh way and help me through that cloudy, confusing time. So I think part of the uh, burden here is that we have resources for our young people and for seekers like that it's maybe a simple thing like telling people to just follow jesus in a love faith relationship but we need we need to have that resource of explaining our simple anabaptist faith one of the reasons we go through dark times especially as young people our leaders fear or seem to be challenged by young people who ask questions. So many times young people, when they're asking questions, are asking because they're discontented. And and our older leaders don't seem to realize that these young people asking questions are actually serious. So they, they diss them because they're challenged. They don't know how to answer And there's times when if our peers, other older people, ask the same question, we would be comfortable talking about it. But when it's someone less than half our age, we ask, what is behind this? Mm -hmm. I think in those situations, sometimes there's a fear that um, they'll get drawn into a theological debate and... uh, and they won't be able to refute the theology. Um, and if they can't refute the theology, they feel like they don't have a leg to stand on. So there, there could be a safety factor where they, they're fearful. And that's, I don't, I don't know. I, I've come across that several times. I'm a thinker. I pushed too hard when I was young. So, um, but there's, they, they may not be a, a high thinker like, you were i guess yeah i i think you're probably right on that and 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 just again i'd say you know you don't have to be a thinker or to have an education to engage with with thinking um you just i mean you just have to be willing to be um willing to not look as smart as you as you wish you did um, and, you know, if, when someone brings something that's, that you find difficult, if you can kind of s- struggle through it with them, um, I think if, if, if leaders did that more, um, they would, they would probably be able to keep their youth and appreciate their youth a bit more. Um, I mean, I, it's really, it is very true that, 
there are young people who get proud and arrogant. Well, I mean, probably most young people are a bit arrogant, to be honest. Um, but, um, but so that's, that's definitely true, but they need some corners knocked off of them, which won't happen if they're just, um, shoved in a corner somewhere. So I'm trying to put my thoughts into words here. Um, so this might be more of a process than a statement. But is so I think there's there's wisdom in thinking. Like this is we should we should all think, you know. So if the challenge is to think, that's wise. Um consider the source, but Ravi Zacharias says, let my people think. Okay. Um I think there's wisdom in, in that. Our, the sense I'm having here this morning, though, is that we have some people who think and some people who are thinkers and do well at thinking. And we as a church have not listened to the thinkers. And and I think kind of what John is saying is there's the gospel and this is the gospel. And and we. To say that there's people who are thinkers and we need to listen to them. We need to, we have the word of God. We have the, the gospel. We have, it's, it's there. Um, and we all need to think about it, but to say that there's some people in my church who are thinkers and then there's some of us who aren't, that, that just seems a little arrogant, I guess. I, I don't know how to say it. Does that make sense? Is it maybe varying levels of thinking? How much time we spend thinking? Well, I think we need to realize that there's thinking and then there's rationalization. And we tend to rationalize our behavior. And I think that's why the Anabaptists have focused so hard on the way we actually live, because our thinking is going to be greatly influenced on our life, by our lifestyle. And because of that, uh, much of Jesus' teaching has been rationalized. I mean, you can be a member of Bible-believing churches, people who strongly emphasize their obedience to the Scripture. They're fundamentalists. They're just highly educated. They can uh, explain things much better than anybody else. And yet, you can be you can be a member of their church. You can be divorced and remarried. You can swear oaths. You can go to war and kill people. You can accumulate wealth. You can, in short, pretty much disobey everything Jesus said because they have cleverly rationalized them all away. And so I think the focus that we've had on learning from our history, our way of life, our culture, if you please, that, that we all need to be informed, perhaps uh, uh, have a great respect for all of that, because that is going to influence the way we think. If we start saying, uh, well, this Mennonite lifestyle, you know, it, a lot of it can't be rationalized. Why can't we have instruments in our churches? Why do we have segregated seating? Why do our women wear dresses? And on and on and on and on. We will start searching scripture and find reasons for the conclusions we want to come to. And I think that that is the the concern that we have. Are we rationalizing or are we thinking? Much of theology is rationalization. It's rationalizing away the clear teaching of Jesus. And uh, I think that's why we've all been suspicious of theology. Uh, but there is the, you can have true theology, <laughs> but it's like the Anabaptist said. 
there is no interpretation of scripture that is the right interpretation if it contradicts anything Jesus said or did. That's a sound hermeneutic. But much of theology goes away from that. It, 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 it just basically isn't even thinking about what Jesus said. It's taking verses from the Bible, piecing them together to come to some conclusion that suspiciously was what you wanted to come to all along. And so uh, that's the concern. Are we rationalizing or are we thinking? And that's probably like an ill, a non-thinking way of looking at it is we look at, look at what the other theologists or lo- people who are using logic, look what they've done with scripture. So there's a, a fear that we could do the same thing. But if we say we're not going to disobey Jesus, we're going to literally do what he said. That's a safe beginning for all thinking. Yeah, but they say the same thing to me. <laughs> but they're not doing it. They go to war and kill people. They divorce and remarry. They swear oaths. Yeah, uh, great portions. I'll, I'll agree with it, but doesn't stop them from saying it. <laughs> and I and I think they really do think it. I mean, I, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely agree um, that rationalization. Yeah, that's just that's not that is thinking that it that's not the right kind of thing. That's not the kind of thinking we. We want and we can think we can make ourselves come to any position through rationalization. And yeah, absolutely. But even calling it rationalization versus truth thinking can be a way of saying I'm right and you're wrong. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't. Um, There's a danger. I would there. be careful be, with um, accusing someone of that, but I would definitely watch for it. Yeah. Um, I see fresh purpose said sometimes you just have to shut up and do something. And I agree, Patrick. Um, Tony, um, back to your thoughts there. Um, I think though that, that as we look at the body of Christ, there are those that are gifted in maybe thinking and processing and, uh, that's their natural bend is to study and write. Like I'm, it's painful for me to write, but I don't know how it is for you, Lynn. It, it probably is painful too. Um, but, uh, I just haven't put the discipline in the writing because it's painful. Uh, I can talk, but it's, it's painful to write. Um, and so I think that we need to actually find those people and not say, my thinking is equal to your thinking. Like, I think there are those that are gifted and we need to encourage those. And I think then the same should come the other way. Um, those, those thinkers um, should should be including those who those of us who are more simple, simplistic thinkers. Um, I, I love the story. Just recently, I was talking with a brother who wrote a book. Um, he worked in, in a foreign context with Muslims, and he came back to to his church here in the states, actually in Canada, and he was thinking through this this worldview grid that he was struggling with there in the Muslim context and. This, this farmer brother and his congregation helped him through the scriptures figure out why these Middle Eastern people thought differently than the Western people. And it was, it was a simple farmer. And, and, uh, and he, 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 um, lifted that, that brother up. And I just, I love that. Um, when we can try to understand that we all have a part to bring here and actually bless each other in, in our parts, I think it's, it's beautiful. 
Like, you... Yeah, just some of the some of the tone of the of the discussion is that our leaders are our leaders are not the thinkers, and it's the young thinkers are challenging our leaders, and we need to encourage thinkers. And I'm and I'm just looking at godly men that have mentored me over the years, and I, you know, I, are do they write books? Are they no, but they are godly men who have lived. They can explain scripture. They can preach a message. Um, you know, are they an intellectual thinker? I don't know if they are or not, but they're godly men. And so then the pit, the thinkers against our leaders, that, that just seems like we're, that, that's where my little struggle is here. Yeah, I definitely I mean, agree. Um, just, just one second, Patrick. Um, okay. And that's why. That's why I pointed to um, the Anabaptist viewpoint, because that's by a seasoned men who, who have been thinking for a long time. I really think we need to hear from those people as well as, I mean, well, probably more than um, from the young, young folks who are thinking. But I think we do need somehow to bring these young people into um, a good spot. Go ahead, Patrick. I'm going to sound really, really stupid, and I'm probably going to step on toes. I was around some very, very deep thinkers 10 or 10 years ago when I showed up at the churches. And I'm not saying I did anything right, but I, I went and I had a soup kitchen, and Shippensburg said, oh, we've been thinking about it. I said, then what prevented you? And it was given to them. When Strength of Strength was started, Everyone in my local congregation booed me and said they didn't want to be involved. One by one, all of you have come on to strength to strength. Sometimes you got to just shut up and do something. And I heard something, and I, I'm going to have disconnected thoughts because it, it's just me. I disagree with this because theology is too highly overrated. Uh, not theology, thinking is too highly overrated in most cases when it comes to the gospel because Jesus didn't think, oh, well, how do I go over there and witness to this guy? He just went and did it. And I get that. But unfortunately, I'm on my way out. And there's a lot of people that don't understand it. And I watched people from where you come from and don't, by no way am I making myself an authority. People that come from the Washington Franklin are very, very forced inward, and they they are a great resource. John is one of them. John was, um, as a child, forced inward, and it created this thought process, and it, and, and it is deep. And I'm going to sound weird, but I really appreciate the Washington Franklin people, and I like what you're doing, but it irritates me, and that's okay. Because who am I? I'm just a dumb guy that figured out that sometimes you have to walk across the street and offer somebody a hamburger. And you don't have to come up with this great process of trying to witness the souls. Now that I've opened my mouth, I'm going to shut up and get beat up. <laughs> I Hopefully I made any made some sense. It's not yeah, that I'm, just, I'm, not against, I'm not against theology. I'm, it's not, I'm not against thinking. I have that ability. I just, uh, I've turned that off because my time is ticking and my expiration date is coming. 
And, and with that expiration date, I know there's too much to be done. And if I just stop and think about everything, I will get into what took Shippensburg 10 years to get a soup kitchen. It's called paralysis through analysis. What is Washington uh, Franklin? My, our brothers to the west, uh, to the south of us. It's a group of churches who for 500 years, Lynn, have led the Anabaptists to preserve their culture, our culture. People are laughing. Maybe I'm I'm really wrong at this, but there's a group of people in Hagerstown, actually Hagerstown in this area, and they're deep, deep thinkers because their regiment has been shut up and sit there and don't say anything. And so what has happened is now that people are fleeing from that, there's a bunch of people that are thinking and they're able to think, and we're getting some fresh thought. Tell me if I'm wrong, Lynn, please. Right in most particulars, just it wasn't for 500 years. They're not quite that long. So it's, well, more, they like, told, it's more like they told me. We've been preserving the face for four or five hundred. I love going down there engaging with them because we have conflict. And in that conflict, we have some understanding. I appreciate that. That's why you need to read the Vanguard. I mean, here's a real practical issue. Shall we drive cars or shall we drive horse and carriage? You're not going to find much scripture to, to inform your final decision on that as far as explicit statement. But those people will give you a whole pile of values that are lost when you, when you give up driving a horse and carriage. And I'm not saying you have to agree with them. But they're going to make you think in ways that you haven't thought about. I mean, we look at them, we say, well, why didn't they come into the 21st century? They have very good reasons why they've kept their horse and carriage. And you may decide uh, that the values that they're emphasizing uh, are not, you know, you're, that's not where you are. You, you have other values, uh, like getting uh, the gospel further and faster. I mean, that might be your value system. And so a lot of this comes down not so much to explicit scripture, as it is values that have come out of the gospel that we want to preserve. And, and all of us have, have embraced sort of a different value system based on the gospel. And that's why you should read these these people, because uh, it's amazing to me the values that they talk about that I would have never thought about. And we need to think about them. We may decide differently than they decided, but we're going to be much wiser by at least uh, being able to understand why they have made the decisions they have made. That'll inform our decisions uh, very well. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing. It's been uh, very engaging and fascinating. Uh, maybe it's uh, so it is actually about 20 after seven. I think we'll wrap this up here. Uh, Brother Lynn, if you'd want to lead us in a prayer and then we'll have um, an announcement following that. Glenn, Glenn, could I ask Lynn one more question? Yep. Go ahead, Brian. Um, so as you read writings in the Anabaptist world, um, whether it be a book or whether it be, um, some of the articles, church periodicals, whatever, what is like the top thing that, um, that you see a critique, if you will, as you read that, this material? Um, you broke up a little bit. Basically, what I heard was, as I see what 
yeah, the writing in the Anabaptist world, what's my top critique mm-hmm. of it? Got it. That's a good question. Um, I would say there's just not enough of it. That's, <laughs> that's my critique. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Uh, back, back to you. Great. Um, great. I'll lead in prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity here for us to um, come together to think about this. And I really appreciate um, this, this platform. Please bless it. And, and um, thank you for the engagement that happened here. And I pray that um, there can be more engagement on, on subjects like this and that we can also shut off and do things for your kingdom as well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Lynn. Yeah. I just put something on the end. My best thinking got me to prison. That's where I found (laughs) that I was broken, and that's where I found Jesus. That's great. Yep. Okay, bye. All right. So um, thanks again, Lynn, for coming on. It's been um, um, very thought-provoking, and I appreciate the thought and study that you put into this. Also, thanks for the resources that you shared, and I think that'll be um, helpful as well to uh, subscribe to some of those. So in in two weeks from now, uh, we have a topic uh, by Darwin Martin. He has been on here once before, I believe, and uh, he's going to talk about why don't we love God? And uh, I'm familiar with his subject matter. He's actually um, my brother and he's from our church here. And uh, this is a lot of original research from him that I don't hear being covered anywhere else. So I invite you back to um, join us then. And that'll be in two weeks from today, uh, Saturday morning at six o'clock. So thanks again, all of you for joining us and look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.